number three of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are glad you're with us today. On this Thursday, don't forget, coming up tonight, we're going to be, uh, the, the Bill Michaels Huddle is back out on the road. We're going to be at the historic Broadstop down in Kenosha coming up tonight. Looking forward to that. Brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Joining us now on the hotline, our friend Ben Brown is with us from Pro Football Focus. You can find him at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. I'm excited. I think this is the best time of year for uh, you know NFL football action, so I'm looking forward to wild card round here coming up in just two days. I'm excited about to all the matchups this weekend. I, I think this is like uh, 10 dozen wings and, and maybe my big fat pants because I can't wait for it. I agree with you. I wanted to ask you, let's start off uh, with uh, the quarterback rankings. Pro Football Focus talked about the top two quarterbacks in football, and it was Tom Brady one, Joe Burrow number two. And the argument became, well, if those are the top two quarterbacks, then why in the world would Aaron Rodgers be winning an MVP? So you tell me what you think between those three names and the rankings and how you guys go about it and what your thoughts are. Yeah, definitely. So we're trying to measure we're trying to measure the context of the play within what the quarterback's asked to do, right? And I do think that uh, in that specific context, Tom Brady and Joe Burrow have graded out really well. Now you can look at some other factors of things where Aaron Rodgers has done uh, probably much better than both those two guys, right? So we try to use uh, maybe more so like a, almost a blend of, um, you know, quarterback ranking from PFF along with EPA per play and try and fold in uh, as much context as we possibly can. And I do think that is kind of where Aaron Rodgers shows out, right? Obviously, they've dealt with a number of injury situations, don't necessarily have the same wide receiver unit that either one of those teams had. Of course, Devontae Adams uh, is probably the best of the best as far as NFL wide receivers so far. But outside of him, it's kind of been, you know, a developing case of guys like Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Haven't really had anything from Robert Tanyan this year. So I do think uh, the overall voter mentality seems to be that Aaron Rodgers has brought more than enough uh, to be considered strongly for that MVP candidacy. And I have to back, I have to, you know, uh, follow through with that. And I also think that that is the correct mentality, uh, kind of based on how we've seen the 2021 season play out. So when you when you rate these guys, it's not necessarily on the value of the quarterback. It's just basically here's a rating on per play, what it is they did, how they executed it, the throw they made, the read they made. That that's that's what that comes down to, correct? Yep, yep. That's so that's the PFF passing grade component, right? And that is basically uh, you know on a two to minus two scale, how well did he make that play? So not every play is going to receive. Uh, you know, a positive or a negative grade. And there are some things where, you know, you can only throw a plus one throw based on certain types of throws, right? We're not going to give somebody a plus one for throwing a five yard uh, and a hitch or an out situation. We're going to make uh, him kind of make some of these NFL type caliber throws, 15 to 25 yards downfield, uh, kind of leaning toward the sidelines and some other uh, variations of those types of throws. It's kind of what we consider, you know, big time capable throws from the quarterback position. So uh, trying to put contextualized, not only you know what he's asked to do, but how well he does it in that given situation is kind of how the PFF passing grades work. So it, it's for those that were making a lot of consternation about it yesterday regarding why Aaron Rodgers should be in the conversation when it comes to the MVP. I think we can all look at it and understand, you know, what the job is of the quarterback and the the amount of injuries that they've had to deal with, the schedule they've had to deal with, and all that kind of stuff. So it's not necessarily a vote as to who is truly the MVP. It's just the execution of the way they run the offense. Exactly, exactly. And I do think, and um, I do think, you know, in that context, you know, 
you know, we're giving Matt LaFleur a ton of credit for the Green Bay Packers offensive success as well. Maybe that is a little bit of a detriment to Aaron Rodgers' PFF passing grade, but in all the other components that we're kind of looking at, uh, you know, we have Aaron Rodgers basically right alongside, you know, the guys that we mentioned, and, you know, above, above even Joe Burrow when we kind of fold in some of those other metrics. So I think it's kind of a two-horse race between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers from our perspective. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, talk about the matchups this coming weekend. What matchup intrigues you the most? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for uh, the Cowboys 49ers game. Obviously, that has the lowest spread on the weekend. I do think that Dallas Cowboys is probably the one team that can really compete with Green Bay uh, as far as getting to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how they actually perform against the San Francisco 49ers team that I think is uh, maybe getting a little bit overvalued, especially from a betting market expectation. So I like that matchup quite a bit. And then, you know, the kickoff here, AFC, uh, Raiders, Bengals, obviously two really hot teams. We've already talked about Joe Burrow a little bit, but I think the Las Vegas Raiders match up really well with Cincinnati. They can apply pressure without necessarily needing a blitz. That has been uh, the one area where Joe Burrow has really struggled here. So I do think that game is going to play a lot tighter than what the current betting market even expects right now. Uh, When we talk about that first game that kicks off, now we were talking earlier about young quarterbacks making their first postseason appearance and, you know, Brady did it, uh, certainly Kurt Warner did it, but it's few and far between for guys that have ever had their first taste of postseason to take a team to a Super Bowl. And then you have to look at a guy that's really got the chops to do it and a guy that's probably got either a really good team around him or maybe a Hall of Fame caliber type of quarterback. Is Joe Burrow that guy, do you think? I mean, he has shown it. I know I know it's hard to quantify because you look at guys like Justin Herbert, he has the much, you know, much better arm strength and those sorts of things. And a lot of people look at Joe Burrow and they say, you know, he just has this it factor, right? He has this thing where he continues to bring it. He wins at every single level that he's played at. Uh, and it seems to kind of play out in his, you know, PFF grading. He has made all the throws that they've asked him to do so far here in 2021. They have, you know, probably the best wide receiver trio unit around him. So uh, I think they are definitely uh, – a somewhat dangerous team. Of course, I do think that uh, the expectations that, you know, a second year guy or even, you know, a rookie guy making his first NFL playoff start is just going to have a seamless transition. is probably a little bit overstated. So I do think, you know, the Raiders getting some successful pressure early on could definitely throw off that Cincinnati Bengals offense. And I do think that's why it's going to be a pretty tight game. Maybe the Bengals squeeze it out by a field goal at the end, but uh, I think it's going to be a really hard fought battle for Cincinnati to kind of emerge victorious here uh, in that first game. Give me your thoughts on the Patriots and the Bills. The Bills, uh, both teams have won in the other's house, and the Bills won quite handily the last time these two teams met up. But in that wind game, the Patriots were able to run it right down their throats, and everybody knew it was coming, and the Bills couldn't stop them. Give me the thoughts on that game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to, like, you know, fit that game into how this game's going to play out. Of course, there's going to be cold weather, but we're not going to see the same type of wind dynamics uh, happening here on Saturday night. So, I think it all comes down to Josh Allen's play. Obviously, he's been a really volatile passer, uh, basically kind of average play down the stretch. The defense has exceeded expectations, especially with Tredavious White out of the lineup. Um, But I don't think that the Patriots are necessarily going to be able to take advantage of what I consider to be a little bit weaker of a secondary uh, than what people are kind of giving them credit for. So I think think the Bills are going to be able to roll here. Minus four seems like a pretty good number. Uh, I think they're probably going to be able to, you know, cover that. And I do think it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Joe Burrow, expecting Mac Jones to kind of seamlessly fit in and play uh, close to his ceiling is just not something that I I currently expect to have happen here on Saturday night. So I'm betting on the Bills. I do think they're probably going to handle business. I do think they are a really dangerous team uh, to potentially get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. 
And yeah, I was going to say, and then in the AFC, everybody's looking at the Chiefs and the Hots, you know, since really the, the sluggish start they had to the season. And then after they beat the Packers, they went on that roll. So are the Chiefs again for real? And I know the Steelers, they have nothing to lose. They're just letting it all hang out. And Ben even feels like they're going to get beat. But sometimes the team that comes in with nothing to lose and plays loosest walks away with a victory because the Chief, all the pressure is on the Chiefs. So give me your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't expect the Chiefs to probably cover that 12.5-point spread. I do think they're going to emerge victorious, obviously. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes can kind of take them back from any game where they don't necessarily play his best. Having that, you know, 1A type of quarterback, similar to Aaron Rodgers, obviously covers up a lot of the other sins that they have throughout their entire team. So uh, I expect the Chiefs to probably handle business. Covering a 12.5-point spread is a completely different expectation. I think uh, Steelers are probably going to be able to keep it close, and I do agree with you. I think it's going to be they have nothing to to lose, basically. Mike Tomlin's going to go out there, hopefully put his team in a solid position to at least be leading uh, in the first half, and then you can kind of see what happens if – if they can slow down Patch Mahomes enough, get enough stops, uh, potentially emerge victorious, I just don't see it happening enough. So I do think the Chiefs, like you said, are the team to beat in the AFC, uh, probably the most concerning team from a Green Bay Packers perspective, uh, especially if they kind of show it here uh, on the opposite side of football here on Sunday night. So breaking these games down, let's go to the uh, NFC side first and foremost because obviously there's two games that we kind of circle. One is if Tom Brady comes back to Lambeau Field and the other is if Mike McCarthy comes to Lambeau Field. But the teams that, you know, the, the first matchup with the Buccaneers, strength against strength, their front for the Buccaneers, defensively speaking, against the Eagles who can really run the ball well. How much of a chance do you give the Eagles? I mean, I, I lean in the direction at least on like the seven and a half, eight and a half point spread. And I do think it comes down to uh, the Levante David injury, right? I do think that some of those run pass options. Uh, that the Eagles can kind of implore with getting Jalen Hurts out of the pocket are still going to give that front seven uh, some fits if David's not actually in there. So I, I kind of lean uh, in the Eagles' direction. It does come down to how well Jalen Hurts obviously plays, especially in some of those play-action settings. He has been great uh, in non-play action. So if they can kind of you know call the good plays in these high-leverage, crucial situations, I do think that the Eagles are kind of a live dog here because I do think the Buccaneers – are probably a little bit more vulnerable than what people want to give them credit for. I want to see, you know, without the wide receiver unit that they have, basically Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, if they are, you know, capable of creating enough separation downfield for Tom Brady to actually be successful. I do still think that is a pretty pertinent question that they still need to answer before they're really talking about, you know, unseating uh, the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field here later on in the playoffs. Uh, and then, obviously, you've got – we talked about a couple of the other games with the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Cardinals and the Rams. But what team out of the NFC matches up the best with Green Bay? Green Bay, obviously, getting a lot of pieces back. We're hearing about Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander and Whitney Merciless and all these guys starting to come back. Their offensive line, three-fifths of the starting offensive line, is now back. What team matches up the best with the Packers? Yeah, I think the, the scariest uh, the scariest matchup from a Packers perspective has to be the Dallas Cowboys playing, you know, close to the ceiling. I think the knock right now is they've had been in a little bit of an offensive slump. Uh, of course, that is removing the Eagles game. It's removing Washington. So I think at their ceiling, Dallas, especially, you know, with Dan Quinn kind of having that defense in a really good spot, obviously, you know, a high, high leverage situation, have made a lot of interceptions. I do think that uh, they are the team that probably matches up best against the Packers and the team that I'm probably uh, most concerned with. Uh, at least Green Bay not potentially emerging victorious on. So I think that's the team. Uh, obviously, you know, Micah Parsons has been an uh, unreal candidate, defensive player of the year candidate as a rookie. But that rest of the defense has really uh, kind of molded into form with Dan Quinn at the helmet. I do think that speaks volumes how 
uh, well this team can play when they kind of put it all together. And I do think we're going to see that uh, happen here on Saturday. And I do think it's going to be a little bit of a concerning matchup for Green Bay uh, heading into the divisional round. Talking with Ben Brown, a pro football focus, joining us on the hotline. Now, there's a lot of dream matchups that people want to see Super Bowl-wise. Is there one that, statistically speaking, that, that sitting at pro football focus, you say, oh, this would be a tremendous matchup between these two teams if they both made it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do think that's Packers-Chiefs, right? I do think that is kind of the one that I'm most hoping for. We basically have those two teams as the top two teams. In the NFL, if you want to see really sound offense while also a defense that's kind of trying to come into their own, I do think both teams offer that quite a bit. Obviously, Rodgers versus Mahomes. Uh, we saw you know Brady versus Mahomes last year. Brady emerged victorious, but I just don't think that Tampa Bay has uh, the horses this year uh, to kind of get ahead of Green Bay. So Packers-Chiefs, definitely the dream match, but I do think you're going to see a lot of offense output, even with uh, you know some of Green Bay Packers defenders kind of getting back, like you mentioned, Jair Alexander back. Uh, so I think in saying that, if they can potentially uh, slow down the Chiefs enough, I do think the Packers could definitely win that match as well. But uh, that's the one that I'm most looking forward to here and the one that I definitely have circled. Ben, always good to talk to you, my friend, as we get closer to a Super Bowl, NFC Championship game, all that kind of stuff. We're going to bend your ear again, okay? Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Have a great show. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our buddy Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. This portion of the program brought to you by our girl Gina Della from Pella. Top 10 reasons why, if you're going to go to Gina Della from Pella, why you want to be able to get uh, your doors and windows from them. That's, well, I've, I've been telling you for a long time that they're just fantastic anyway. So you want to get a hold of Gina and just say, hey, Gina, just give us the windows and doors. And uh, But the bottom line is that uh, they have got some great deals going on right now. And uh, Gina Della from Pella, the whole staff over there, they want to take care of you. They have 10 reasons. One, one number one being because... The deal right now that they have out there only lasts to the end of the year. So you want to get in on that now. There's no reason not to get in on that. But they have got terrific financing. Five years, no interest. Five months, no first payment. That's one. Huge re- Two huge reasons, actually. So they've got, they got something to fit everybody's budget. They've got all these different lines that they can get you, whether it's uh, the wood interior, different wood grains, different hardware. They'll custom cut, custom measure. They install year-round. They can do it in as little as a day. There's all these reasons to get a hold of Gina Della from Pella and the whole gang over there at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Go to PellaWI.com. That is Pella, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com. Get a hold of them or just call them 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855-PELLA-WI and get a hold of our girl Gina over there and they can help you out. Now, Here's something we were just talking about this. Just talking about this. The 49 possible matchups for a Super Bowl this year. The number one sought-after matchup in the National Football League for the Super Bowl this year would be... We'll tell you when we come back. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Glad to have you. 
Bill Michael Show. We uh, continue on. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Uh, if you want to hit us up, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Um, <clears throat> there is uh, an article that came out. We were just sitting here talking about this. And we were sitting here talking about the matchup you would want to see regarding Super Bowl. Would the best would the best matchup? What would it be? And I, Ben, you and I were talking about. I said, you know what, the matchup that probably would be cool, but it wouldn't really draw too many uh, too many people's attention would be Raiders Forty ers Well, uh, Yahoo Sports put a piece together and said that they ranked every single one of the potential matchups using a highly scientific method involving the analysis of star power, watchability, history, on-field performance, off-field narratives, the good old-fashioned gut feeling, and uh, audience and such. And you know what the, the number one is. Let's see the other 48 and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the last matchup, analytically, they would want to see would be the Raiders and 49ers. Two former Bay Area colleagues reuniting It'd be about as much fun as watching two high school friends get together after 20 years and realize in 10 minutes they have nothing in common anymore. They said that's kind of a uh, yawner. So they go down uh, all the way through. And by the way, after in all 48 matchups, the Packers don't even get mentioned as one of the worst matchups. Um, good God. Until 24 when it would be the rematch of Super Bowl II when the Raiders and the Packers squared off. And Green Bay back then more than doubled up on Oakland. Uh, safe bet the result would be the same, they said. After that, it would be the Packers and the Steelers at number 20. The rematch of the Super Bowl from some years ago, the famed Ice Bowl in Dallas. Uh, you know, ice is highly unlikely in L.A. as, uh, you know, is as Pittsburgh's territory as well, but... Nevertheless, uh, that would be the rematch of the Super Bowl the last time uh, both teams went. Uh, after that, it would be Titans and Packers. You'd think the matchup of the one seeds would be more compelling than this, you would think, but it really wouldn't be because there's not a lot of uh, intrigue when it comes to the Titans. Uh, you keep going. The Packers and the Bengals are at number 14. The Bengals and the NFL descendant of the 2019 LSU Tigers, arguably the best college football team in history. How would that team fare against the 2021 Packers? Probably wouldn't even score a touchdown, but you never know. But because Joe Burrow was a part of that team, Joe Burrow, the young uh, up-and-coming gunslinger against Aaron Rodgers, that would be the 14th most likely watchable scenario in which it would draw ratings. Then it goes on from there where you have the Patriots and the Packers. Rematch of Super Bowl Thirty One, when Brett got his ring and everybody just laughed at the hapless Patriots wondering if they'd ever amount to anything. But then they went on to greatness. We all know that. But again, it would be a rematch of the Packers and the Patriots. Then they got at number six, Bills Patriots. When both teams are uh, cruising, uh, you know, at a cruising altitude, they say they're the best game. But both have holes in their game, and both have the tendency not to show up when the spotlight's the brightest. But the fan bases are enormous. Then at number three, the last uh, scenario of rematches and such 
would be the rematch of Super Bowl one, quite pro- possibly the best pound for pound matchup in the entire season, Mahomes against Rogers, because the last two times, last time these uh, two teams met, Rogers was not a part of it. Uh, they say, come on, it doesn't get any better than this State Farm Bowl. But the top two matchups that they want to see, the number two matchup would be Chiefs and Cowboys, the game's brightest star in Patrick Mahomes, and the league's best-known team. That's the kind of matchup that plays well all over the country and the world for that matter. So the Chiefs-Cowboys. The number one match. What do you think the number one matchup is? Tampa Bay, Kansas City, or you already said that one? Dallas and no, Kansas not, City. No. Huh. The number one matchup is the Buccaneers and the Patriots. Bill Belichick against Tom Brady. They say the whole world would be watching. The drama surrounding Brady Belichick, the fact that these two teams squared off in the regular season, and it was a close game that Brady barely escaped out of Foxborough with. The whole world would be watching to see Brady and Belichick. I don't buy that. I don't either. The Patriots aren't that into like they're interesting because it's Bill Belichick. But you look down the list of the other teams that could make it; they're not that interesting of a team, and they're not that good compared to the Chiefs or compared yep. to the Bucks. Even I would agree, but that's what they said they would love to see: is that matchup between those two teams. I don't buy their. Science. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's that's what they claim. That's off of their gut feelings and analytics and all that kind of stuff. I wonder so if it's a go. bunch of ESPN plants because then Skip Bayless could talk about who's the real goat, Belichick or Brady, for two weeks. Right, right. See, I that's one of the reasons I would love to see Dallas come to Lambeau Field, and if Dallas gets here, <coughs> if Dallas gets here, most likely. Uh, through all the scenarios, it would be through an NFC Championship game. That that would be the biggest. And all the storylines would then fall into place, and it would be huge. It would probably be that game. That game might be more watched than the Super Bowl. I take that back. The Super Bowl is still going to draw the most because it's a standalone. But that game might be the – short of the Super Bowl might be the largest watched game of the entire season to see Mike McCarthy come back into Lambeau Field. That that would be that's must see TV. I think for everybody, for everybody. I know. I mean, any anybody that because two for two reasons. One is you have two huge, enormous, worldwide fan bases that would be watching that game. J- just in that alone, the fan bases alone would be watching that game. And then the intrigue with Rodgers, is this the last dance? Then the intrigue with him facing off against McCarthy, who those two didn't get along towards the end, and everybody feels that Rodgers sabotaged McCarthy to get him out of town, the new young gun in Matt Matt LaFleur. Can Dak Prescott finally take him over the top? The last time these two teams met up in a playoff game, remember, remember that was the Des Bryant wasn't a catch game in a meaningful playoff game at Lambeau Field? Uh, so between the, so all of that's going to come back into play. So, yeah, it would be it would be must-see TV, I think, in so many different facets. I, I, yeah, that would be that would be. Hold your breath, hold your breath. It could possibly happen. The See debate surrounding that Des game, I, I still don't understand it because even if they rule that a touchdown, and this could be going a little into the weeds, I, the Packers, I think, still win that game. I think, I don't know. 
uh, even if they rolled it, if they ruled that a catch, I don't know. The, the, the at that point in time, the Cowboys were coming back. They 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 felt like they had the momentum on their side. Now, it it to the letter of the rule, it wasn't a catch. You you can argue till you're blue in the face, but it wasn't a catch. I said it the minute it happened, it wasn't a catch. That's By the why... way they interpret the rules, it was never a catch. Never thought it was, and I know. I mean to. It, you and I know a catch is a catch. On the playground, that's a catch. But to the in, in actual interpretation of the rule, I knew it from the beginning. It wasn't ever going to be called a catch. wasn't ever going to be called a catch. Just knew it. That's why skip, I want skip. the NFL to outsource to like a bar in Nebraska and just find every drunk person right? in the bar and ask them if it's a catch. If they say yes, right? then it's a catch. You give the whole bar a button. Everybody in the bar gets a button. And it you push your button, left or right. Yes, it's a catch. No, it's not. It would move our society forward in the best ways. Yeah. I mean, I know the Packers still had time in that game, but it just felt like the momentum had completely shifted at that point. And it was heading in the game. They could have still come back and won it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but it just felt like being there it, at that game, it, I just felt like it was the momentum had shifted in that contest. Had Des Bryant come down with that ball. Right. Uh, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to hit us up? Please feel free to do so. So that's that is the uh, the 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 way Yahoo Sports sees it. So it's not to say it's a perfect science. It's just that's what they believe would be the best matchups. Uh, and the Packers are in the top three. I, the Packers are always going to be in the top three, just because, just just because they're the Packers. They're they're they just carry such weight. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers obviously carries such weight. But, you know, I understand where they're coming from. Hey, you know, there's some other good matchups that are out there. Uh, not that I necessarily want to see, but it would certainly be, put it this way, if it played out and it was the Patriots and it was the Buccaneers, it would be intriguing football for an entire week leading up to that contest. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up? Feel free to go ahead and do so. 877-867-1670. Um, what, what has this been? What did you send me? There are just some things that come across the Twitter timeline that deserve praise and recognition. So, um, so an original tweet comes out. Okay. Dawson Knox, tight end of the Bills, said that he heard Viagra can make a player test positive for PEDs. So he's not going to try that trick. I guess it's a known trick to stay warm on Saturday when the two teams take the field. Kevin, oh, okay. Kevin Clark, uh, media personality for the Ringer, quote tweeted and said, we got to move this game up and, and just play it now. We can't go on like this. And this unbelievable golf Twitter account called Antifaldo. Uh, the anti-Nick Faldo account. Yes. Uh, says, what are we going to do then if Pat's Bills game lasts longer <laughs> than four hours? 
Ah, awesome. awesome. I did day. not know that taking Viagra would make you warm. Is that true? I, I don't know. Well, I'm not that I'm saying you use it. I'm just saying I'm simply saying is that is that like this I had this never urban heard it legend before. or All right, for those that have uh, fired up the Viagra machine in their life, does it make you warm? Uh do we have any former players in the contact okay. book that we can ask um, them this? Mike writes right there. He says, "That's like dropping another log on a fire." <laughs> The fact that you used fire and log, speaking of Viagra, in the same sentence is fantastic, Mike. That's awesome. I have no idea. No idea. Is this a truth or one of those uh, fake rumors? Does uh, does taking Viagra does taking Viagra throw you uh, throw you into the mix when it comes to getting warm? Uh, Merlin said it's all about blood circulation, so it gets it to all the blood vessels. How about did the media ask Dawson Knox if he was going to take Viagra to stay warm? Right? Yeah. Um, Craig says, I wouldn't want to be, be standing behind the center. Well, think about this, though. Well, never mind. I don't want to get into that. But it's it's an honest question that Antifaldo yeah. brings up. What if the game goes to overtime? What if it's a four-and-a-half-hour game? Do you suddenly get really cold? Or maybe you have to go see a doctor. Right? <laughs> Suppose you're warmer than a four-hour contest. Do you then need to get the Viagra effect away from you? Huh. Uh, <laughs> Snook says, from experience... Uh, yes, it can make you feel a little bit flushed. Snook, uh, okay. I'm not going to ask you anything else beyond that. All right? Uh, <laughs> uh beyond that, I don't know. Uh, didn't a former wide receiver, Justice says, didn't a former wide receiver say he used to take, uh, take it to either run faster or stay warm, if I can't remember? I, I have no idea. I would assume if your blood blood vessels expand and there's more blood pumping to the blood vessels, then there's more warmth through the body. I, I guess there's a natural uh, assertion there. Oh, I found it. Former All-Pro, this is from July of 2020. Former okay. All-Pro wide receiver Chad Johnson, otherwise known as Chad Ochocinco. Ochocinco. Claimed, go, go, give it to him. Claimed that he took Viagra before every NFL game. To run faster? <laughs> That's a great or question. Or just get more oxygenation in the blood? Uh, you know, I mean. <clears throat> uh, Steven says, how do you play with uh, with wood? <laughs> this is Sean says, did Icky Woods take it? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't even think Viagra was around when Icky Woods was playing. That gave a whole new meaning to the icky shuffle if it did. Uh, Badger Steve says, this has got to be the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. I have no idea. You know what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Mark says you think it would make it hard to run. And then Stephanie says it would. you would think it would make you run harder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, maybe oh, I retire the tweet of the day segment. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Off the rails. Uh, Robert says, uh, yes, I've used it before. It does make you warmer. Doesn't matter the situation. Uh, Colin says, I don't know about making you run faster. Uh, no, I can't read the rest of that, Colin. I'm not going to get into that. That's too descriptive, man. Uh, he does, he does say at the end of his email, he says, there's no way I could have run a 20 yard dash with this thing. (laughs) Well, there you have it. There you have it. I guess, uh, if you, uh, put it this way, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of guys with a fishing pole joke and an ice shanty thinking to themselves tomorrow, man, I could stay warm out on the, uh, on the ice. If I, uh, if I pop one of these, yeah. Can't imagine going ice fishing with your buddy in the same shanty and you both are popping Viagra, you know, <laughs> just, Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Queen. The Buff Badgers, no, I can't read that either. See, you people are just completely, me, the show went a little astray. You, you, you're now buried. I don't know where you're at, if you're on lunch hour or what, but you're now buried wherever you're at. (laughs) The stuff you're writing is unbelievable. Uh, Mike says, the matchup I would most love to see would be the Green Bay Packers against the Buffalo Bills. I think it would be the best matchup for everybody. Two huge fan bases, two quality quarterbacks, uh, on and on and on. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, you put uh, Packer Nation against uh, Bills Mafia. Oh yeah, that would be that would be a big one. Uh, Carl says, "Do you think we'll ever get a Super Bowl at Lambeau Field?" No, we won't. Not unless they dome it. That would be the only way they would. And I only say that because <clears throat> if they spent the money to build a stadium and put a dome and all that kind of stuff, then the NFL would probably step in and say, "Look, if you fund it." and this is what the team needs to be viable, blah, 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 that we will promise you a suit. That's the only reason they would do it. Uh, Oh, my God. Evan says Nick Chubb should be the spokesperson for the Viagra. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, No, they're never going to have a – never going to host a Super Bowl at Lambeau Field. Never. Uh, You know who we could hear from? Joe Barry is speaking today. Maybe that's what we do. Uh, dip in and take a listen to Joe Barry getting all his weapons back. Ben, ben, we got time for that when we come back, or maybe do it in the next hour. Yeah, let's either. do that. Let let's let's do this. So maybe we'll just grab it when we come back. Joe Barry speaking to the media. I want to get in on this because I want to hear what he has to say about a lot of his, uh, a lot of his, uh, you know, weapons, so to speak, coming back. So uh, let's let's take a listen to the defensive coordinator when we come back. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held practice outdoors in helmets, hoodies, and sweats, working on quickness and timing. Aaron Rodgers was at practice as well, saying he hasn't needed a painkiller injection for his fractured toe in weeks. Feeling good. Practice today, close to 100%. I think I should be 100% probably by... Uh, by next week. More of the Packers assistant coaches being interviewed for open positions around the league. Matt LaFleur asked why he doesn't mind Nathaniel Hackett being interviewed by other teams, even when it's the Chicago Bears. I don't know if that necessarily 
breeds the type of culture that you want in your building. Because if guys are constantly feeling like they're being held back or repressed, like that's just gonna build up negative feelings to where they're at at that moment in time. I think it's great for these guys to get that experience, number one, to go out and, and talk to other teams. And we spoke to Packers second-year man John Runyon, who had over 1,000 snaps this season at left guard without committing a single penalty. I just felt comfortable out there, and everything just kind of felt this whole season just kind of went for me personally and for us as a team just kind of how I expected, so really no surprises. And uh, playing a 1,000 snaps in this season, uh, it's really cool. And uh, what we've accomplished as a team this year and putting ourselves in position to go win a Super Bowl can be more excited. That's Packers left guard John Runyon in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back to the program. Uh, we don't get a chance to hear him too much, but uh, defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, uh, Joe Barry, uh, and I want to take a listen to this because uh, he's getting some of his pieces back. So let's take a listen to Joe Barry at the podium right now. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Bill. How you doing, Joe? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, you know, after that Minnesota game, a few days later when you talked to us, you said that you're only as good as your last game. So I'm curious where you think you are heading into the playoffs where you've had a bunch of really good games. You're probably coming off one that you're not so happy with. Yeah, you know, it was it was uh you know that that was it was such a unique week in the sense that, you know, what we had done the previous sixteen weeks, you know, it kind of put us in that position. But um, you know, I'll stand here and tell you, I mean, I we, we had a, a phenomenal week of practice, phenomenal week of preparation. Uh, I'm talking about last week. Um, now we were in, you know, we put ourselves in position be- because of what we were able to accomplish, uh, you know, the 16 previous weeks that we were able to, you know, sit some guys, um, you know, maybe rotate some guys differently than obviously we normally would. And then also be able to have a chance to get a bunch of guys, you know, to play defensive snaps, um, that normally wouldn't. So, but bottom line, uh, you know, they played better than us. They made more plays than us, um, and they beat us. But we we absolutely took every everything in our mindset as far as from a preparation standpoint. We wanted to go in and win that game, and we didn't. So, um, but at this point, you know, we've uh, we've there there were some things that we learned from. There were some things that happened that you know we hadn't experienced all year. Um, but you know, we're 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 on to the playoffs, and um, we've had a great day yesterday. Great day today, really, really focusing on ourselves, at least when the players have been in the building. Um, and then, you know, this week when the players have been out of the building, it's given us a great chance to kind of move forward to whoever our potential next opponent's going to be. Ryan Wood. With everybody coming back to this roster on both sides of the ball, Whitney Merciless is just not a name that anybody has I know. Thought of. We yeah. found out two and a half hours ago that he might have a chance to play again yeah. this season. When did you find out that that, that might actually be possible? No. And I know, Ryan, we're we're the, we're the same way. You know, we uh, our our medical staff does such a great job, and you know, we have a we we have a staff meeting every single morning um, that that flea obviously comes to, and uh, I don't know what day it was. Early, it was either Monday or Tuesday, uh, and. Um, you know, Flea was really excited where where uh, where Whitney was, but to be honest with you, I didn't think that we. I would think that that would be you know next week, 
Um, but yeah, um, you know, now it was it was pretty limited, but um, but yeah, Whitney was was in. You know, we, we we practiced in pads today, so Whitney was out on the practice field in pads today. So it was, I mean, the the um, Whitney. I don't know how well you guys have have gotten to know him, um, but you talk about a pro and just a, an incredible leader. Um, just an incredible guy, and he's been saying since you know the night that he got hurt, he's like, "I'm I'm going to be back. I'm coming back. I promise you, I'm coming back." So um, he's worked his tail off to get to where he's at. But to answer your original question, yes, I was I was completely surprised that it was, you know, as early as today. But it was it was great to have him out there. If I can just follow up real quick, where can he help you? I mean, with Darius, it's pretty obvious with that explosiveness where, where, where he could. But but with Whitney, with how he was playing, and, and where, where do you think he could help you? Well, first and foremost, you know, at at that position, at the at the outside linebacker, you know, defensive end position, um, you know, you you have a nice healthy rotation, and uh, when when not having a Zadarius all year. Uh, you know that that's that's affected. That's put a that was that put a, a lot of pressure on, you know, Rashawn and Preston. Um, we had guys that you know filled in and did a great job. When we got Whitney, not only were we getting a guy to you know to 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 roll in there, we were getting a guy that you know he you know he's he's played at a Pro Bowl level before in his career. So now you know moving into into you know the playoffs having the the ability not only to have still Rashawn and Preston, but to have a Z in the rotation, to have potentially Whitney in the rotation. Um, it just gives you, you know, fresh rushers, uh, fresh violent guys on the edge. Uh, and as I've told you guys, you, you, you can't have enough of those guys. Matt Seidman. Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, Matt. How you doing, man? Good, thanks. Um, with Z, I know obviously at the beginning of the year he was pissed. He wasn't voted captain and, and all the back stuff. Do you think he's in a good spot now? And, and how has he looked just these last two days getting him back into things? He looks great, you know. Um, you know, and it's still, it's just, it's it's two days. You know, we ran around and did some stuff yesterday. Again, we were in pads today. Uh, we, we, I, we were just in the process of starting to look at look at practice, but um, I think he's he's in a in a great place, you know. So we'll see how he obviously, you know, after you know we're going to go out and get another day's work with the guys tomorrow. So I think this weekend obviously will be big for him specifically on just how his body feels and how his body reacts to you know three days of work. Uh, and then you know shoot, he'll get you know uh, Matt's given the players off Saturday and Sunday, and then. Uh, we'll come in with a uh, with a normal work week next week. So, um, but at least what what Z's been able to show the last three days or yesterday and today and then uh, tomorrow, I'm 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 excited with where he's at. So, there you go. That's Joe Barry. Uh, we we can pick this up when we come back because uh, after the top of the hour because I think some of the things that he's talking about getting merciless back and just finding out a couple of days ago that merciless has has been just pining to get back on the field. And working so hard, the fact that he's back, uh, talking about Zedaria Smith coming back and getting that defense uh, back to as close to, anyway, um, the, the starting defense that they thought they had going into the season.